I think most Americans, whether or not they've ever lived in this city, have a sort of cosmic connection to this city um, through the music, through the art, through the sports legends, certainly through the cars that we drive. There's a sort of cosmic connection to the city, and so most Americans, I think, are are rooting for, they're pulling for the city of Detroit to have a complete turnaround. And I wanted to come and sort of document where Detroit is at this stage of the process. Uh, my sense is that there is a slow but steady recovery. The city is turning around, but ultimately for whom, I'm not just yet sure. And why aren't you sure about that? Um, because as well-worn a statement as it is, Jerome, I still think that um, Detroit is a tale of two cities. Um, the downtown area, this 7.2-mile area, this downtown area is, is uh, coming, coming together quite nicely and quite remarkably. Uh, and yet I wonder whether or not Detroit's downtown will become an island unto itself rather than a bridge to the rest of the city. Uh, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about the distinction between success and progress. What we see downtown is success. I'm not sure that equates to progress for the city. So there, there are some questions to be asked. And as you've been talking to uh, a wide range of folks who are tied into the city, uh, you know, Mayor Duggan and Stephen Henderson and others, what sorts of things have you been hearing from them about where Detroit is right now? I think everybody agrees that, um, again, that there's been some success, but there's much more work to be done um, uh, to, to, uh, to, to qualify it as progress for the city. Uh, I think there's, a, there's cautious optimism. Uh, on the part of the city's leaders who I've spoken to, and I think even on the part of the, the citizenry, there's some cautious optimism. But there are those who are concerned, again, about whether or not the longtime residents of this city are going to uh, be part of the, um, um, the victory uh, uh, that this city will ultimately experience. And I, I, I haven't got a firm answer yet. I think the jury is still out on how the longtime residents feel about, again, whether or not they're going to be included in whatever the progress is that the city is ultimately going to make. You've been someone who's uh, been following what's been going on in Detroit for a long time. Uh, you're here in town on a regular basis. What have your observations been in just the past few years about uh, Detroit's journey? Mm. It's, um, it's a quintessential American story, believe it or not, as much as has been written about and much has been made of what's happened to Detroit, certainly uh, around the issue of bankruptcy. Um, it is a quintessential American story in that we fall down and we have to find a way to get up. Um, that's Joe Lewis. That's, <laughs> that's the Pistons. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's the Red Wings. That's, that's the automobile industry. That, it's a quintessential American story, and Detroit has seen this story. Detroit wrote this story about what it means uh, to succeed against all of the odds. That's the Barry Gordy Motown story. You take something, you take nothing rather, you turn it into something. So Detroit has written this story time and time again for the American public to read and to witness. Um, and yet I think that uh, what the nation can learn from Detroit right now is how um, to avoid this happening in other major cities. I mean, Chicago is on the brink. Chicago is on the brink. Um, we think of Detroit and we think that, you know, that's Detroit. Oh, no, this could happen to other cities as well. Uh, we had a city in California that, you know, recently filed bankruptcy in my home state. So this can happen in other places. I mean, clearly, as the automobile industry goes, so goes the city of Detroit. I mean, the two, the two are inextricably linked, no doubt about that. But I hope that there are some policies, Jerome, and some practices that are starting to be tried here 
um, that might, in fact, work in other places to ensure that this uh, story doesn't have to be learned again around the country. You've been hearing a lot of uh, cautious optimism about what's going on in the city and moving forward. Are you hearing much fear at this point? Are you seeing fear at this point? You know, nobody really wants to say this on camera, but every time I raise it, I find an audience. I see people's eyes, you know, open wider. And off the record, they'll say certain things to me. I cast no aspersion on, on, on Dan Gilbert. Mr. Gilbert has chosen to come to this city and invested a lot of money to help turn at least downtown around. Of course, he's been, he's been given a lot by the city to do that, tax breaks and other incentives, so it's a business decision for him, trust me. I don't think it's just a deep and abiding love for the city. He has that. He, he's from here. Uh, it's a business decision. And yet I wonder about the fortunes of a renaissance city like this uh, being tied to the fate of one particular person. Uh, this is the same Dan Gilbert who had some unsavory things to say, you know, essentially suggesting that he owned LeBron James when LeBron left Cleveland to go to Miami. Of course, he's now back with Mr. Gilbert in Cleveland again, so all has been forgiven apparently, but that still, people remember that. Um, I, I just worry about, you know, one person being the savior of a, of a particular city. So again, I, I, I don't begrudge him, you know, making money or making good business investments. I'm glad he brought his employees here. I think it's good for the city on balance. I just don't want the city to become colonized. That brings up a, a number of, of important issues. I guess let me ask you first of all about um, African-American participation, African-American investment. There have been a number of articles written by uh, Nolan Finley, who works at the Detroit News, about um, these areas that are prospering that he doesn't see African-Americans really taking part in it. Are you hearing much about that? I don't know that the city or that the apparatus uh, in the city, um, the economic apparatus, has reached out to African-American investors in the way that they have um, to the Dan Gilberts of the world and to the tech industry and others. I see the tech industry taking hold here. I see Mr. Gilbert obviously doing his, his wonderful work. Um, I don't know that African-American investors have been reached out to in that particular way. Uh, I'm not sure they have to be. Maybe it's just a matter of inquiring. Uh, what I do know um, is that you know, for the longtime residents of this city, primarily African-American, they cannot be left out of this revitalization effort. And for African-American entrepreneurs who want to be involved in the rebuilding of this city, um, there should be an all-out effort to include them. There, there should be as aggressive an outreach for African-American investors as there is for others. And I think that's how you make sure that, that everybody participates um, in, the, in the turnaround of the city. But, but there have to be people at the top who are interested enough and who care enough about those investors of color to reach out to them and include them, involve them, and to give them the same kinds of incentives and tax breaks that they would give others to invest in the city. And the other question that goes with that is Detroit has high rates of poverty. Um, do the people that you're talking to have hopes that there's going to be a tide that rises all boats? interesting phrase that you use about a tide that lifts all boats because uh, that involves water. And I've heard more than one time the concerns that many citizens have about these water cutoffs, these water shutoffs. That does disturb me because there's a direct link between that and poverty. Nobody's, nobody's avoiding paying their water because they don't want to pay it. 
Uh, people are having trouble paying water bills because poverty is so entrenched in this city, because unemployment is so high in this city. Had the mayor on the program one night while we were here, and there's got to be a better way. Uh, he chose that night. I didn't ask him about it specifically. It came up later in the show with other guests, but the mayor, uh, for whatever reason, didn't raise it on his own about these water shutoffs, and maybe I see why he didn't, because it's not a very uh, popular subject. Um, and yet, because poverty is so intractable in this city, we can't, again, be so excited and so concerned and, and start celebrating prematurely the turnaround of the city, make that the downtown region of the city, and not be concerned about the fact that in the demos of Detroit, uh, writ large, there's still too many people who are just suffering under the, the weight of poverty and can't even afford to pay their water bill. So again, I hope that we don't that we don't move so fast on this side of bankruptcy in this beloved city, that we forget about the people who've been here, who decided to stay, who didn't abandon the city, who want to get back on their feet too. What, what a tragedy it would be for the city, at least economically speaking, to get back on its feet, but the residents of the city. I mean, the people are the city, and for the residents still to be struggling with paying water bills. I mean, there's something that doesn't fit about that. We're celebrating downtown. And, you know, a few miles from downtown, people can't afford to pay the water bill. I, I have great concerns about that. So I, I want to make sure that the issue of poverty, as I always, you know, talk about in my travels around the country. I mean, I've been this one of my signature issues for many, many years of my career. I believe that poverty is threatening our very democracy. Poverty is now a matter of national security. And poverty cannot be left off the table when we talk about the city of Detroit. Last time I talked to you was uh, several months ago. Uh, you wrote a book about uh, called the death of, of a king, and history is something that's very important to you. That throughout your career you've looked at, you've examined, you've written about. What sorts of things can Detroit learn from history? Mm. I think the most important lesson that Detroit can learn um, from history is that the demos, democracy, is really about the people. It's not about the well-to-do. It's not about the rich and the lucky. It's not about the investors. It's not about the tech community. It's not about the automobile industry. All those things matter. But it's ultimately about the people. How will life be better in the months and years to come for the citizens of this city, for the everyday people who live and work in this city, for the folk who've been here for generations. How will life be made better for them? I've seen this story a thousand times, and to your point about history, we've seen this play out historically. They told us in the Industrial Revolution that we were going to get ours. They told us in the Technological Revolution that we were going to get ours. Every time they tell us that a revolution is coming and we're going to get ours, uh, Gil Scott Heron said the revolution will not be televised. Whether it is or isn't, we seem to not be present when, when it happens and when, the, and when the victors start to share in the spoils. We seem to never be there. And I just don't want to see that happen for the city of Detroit, that the city turns around and that the citizens, the people who make up the demos, end up not being a part of this revitalization effort. That's my greatest fear. And I come to Detroit now and I celebrate the success. I celebrate, you know, the work that's already being done. And yet I see too many examples of how this train has left the station again without giving tickets, you know, without, without seats. Uh, this is the home of Rosa Parks. I see, I see the buses leaving the stations and, and black folk either not on the buses or at the back of the buses once again. I don't want to see that happen for, for the residents of this city.
And uh, just the last question, and that is, um, what have you gotten out of this? What have you gotten out of doing this? I love Detroit. I grew up loving Detroit. As you know, I grew up just down the road in Indiana. As a child, my parents used to bring me to Detroit all the time. I'm one of 10 kids. We couldn't afford to take family vacations, the best we could do. But my parents saved up enough gas money uh, was to get in our station wagon and come to Detroit for a day and just ride around the city and see family and see friends and sightsee and go to church and hang out and go back home. We loved coming to Detroit. This was my getaway. When I wanted to see black people, I came to Detroit. When I wanted White Castle, I came to Detroit. When I wanted just to, just to see some culture, I came to Detroit. And so as a kid, I, as a kid this was, I had the most fond memories of this city. Uh, and then when I, became, when I went to college, I was on the debate team at Indiana University, and I came to Wayne State every year, all four years in college. I came here to participate in a major national debate tournament held right here on this campus where you and I sit for this conversation right now. And then when I became, when I became a broadcast professional, of course, I've been here many times. That's how you and I became friends. I've been here so many times over the years. So the long story short is I love this city, and I've come here for many, many years since being a child. I want to see this city succeed. I want to see it. I want to see it turn around. But the thing that I take away more than anything is that I am inspired by the fight that I see in this city. I have a T-shirt that I wear that you see around town here called Detroit versus everybody. I wear that shirt in L.A. all the time. Every time I wear it, somebody wants to buy it off my back. Detroit versus everybody. Uh, I feel that, and I am inspired by the fight in this city. And so when I leave here, I leave here more resilient. You know, if the people of this city. Um, are not going to abandon it. And if they're going to fight to turn their city around, I'm going back home to fight a little harder for South Central Los Angeles where I live and work every day.